You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 21. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Happy Thursday, guys. Thank you so much for being with me today. I have some exciting news to share. Last week with the Joy the Baker podcast, I shared that Mr. Lively and I have been hoping to relocate to Austin, Texas. And over this last week, we've gotten the approval and we're going to move to Austin in August. We cannot wait. And we thank you guys so much for your support from everyone that's been sharing on Twitter and on the blog, um, giving us suggestions and tips. If you have any, feel free to share them with me as well. In today's episode, I'm actually interviewing someone from Austin, Kelly Krause. Kelly Krause works for South by Southwest Interactive, but began her career at E! Entertainment in LA. In our episode, we're actually going to be discussing something that has been going on in her personal life more recently. Kelly has lost, since April 1st of 2013, 137 pounds. I came across her story of how she did this on CamilleStyles.com, and I was intrigued by the path that she took. It seemed very intentional to me, so I immediately wanted to have her on the show to share her story. And this one, guys, is one of the most inspiring episodes of all time. I'm so excited to share. In this episode, we're going to discuss how Kelly landed her e-entertainment job and eventually got hired by South by Southwest. We're going to talk about the event that sparked the massive lifestyle shift for Kelly that resulted in that huge weight loss. And we're also going to talk about the intentional tenants that Kelly created to guide herself kindly and successfully down this path. And we're going to discuss the most difficult thing for Kelly on this journey. She's got a ton of advice to share. Even if you're not someone who is facing a you know weight loss situation, this episode is incredible. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kelly. You're so welcome. I'm so happy you are here. This has been a little bit of a long time coming. I've wanted to have you on the show and share your story. So thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's get started with your career background and how you got to where you are. Sure. So I went to undergrad at Nebraska Wesleyan University in Lincoln and didn't know exactly what I wanted to do thought I wanted to do or go into journalism. So applied to a master's program at the University of Nebraska, got into that. And after my first semester, ended up hating it um, because I didn't care about writing so many news stories. I was more of a features writer or more, more liked feature writing. So I switched gears and decided to use a little more creativity and go into another program that combined uh, communications and PR and advertising. Ended up loving it, but got a little burnt out by doing too much and randomly applied for an internship in Los Angeles with E-Entertainment. Really? Mm-hmm. E-Entertainment and the Style Network. Got the internship, moved out there on a complete whim, and the rest is sort of history. Fell in love with the PR aspect of the job, fell in love with what I was doing out there. Uh, got a couple mentors who had public relations background and they sort of took me under their wing and um, gave me a lot of really sound advice and ended up getting a job just down the street with this uh, PR agency where a lot of folks in the entertainment industry and the PR world in LA sort of get their start and fell in love with it. And six years later, um, did everything from television PR to independent film, um, a lot of film festivals, a lot of red carpets. Really? Wait, so have you met a lot of famous people along the way? Yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah. Wait, who's your favorite? I won't name names in case you don't like them, but who's your favorite? Who are your favorite people? Um, one of my favorite actors that I worked a, uh, press junket with was Ben Affleck worked on his directorial debut, Gone Baby Gone. He was, he was just a ton of fun. He just had a great time with all of us. Who else did I really like? That's a tough question. Sarah Silverman. She's hysterical. She was a lot of fun. 
But um, at the PR firm that I worked for, we did we handled a lot of um, film premieres and those red carpets, and we worked the Independent Spirit Awards. So we sort of worked with everyone. But I didn't handle, I didn't deal with them always directly. But you know, would walk them down the red carpet, and it was very much like glitzy, glammy sort of what you what you see on E. You know, their red carpet coverage, and you always see like a you'll see an actor and then you'll see a, you know, a male or female standing behind them, typically in all black. Cause that's sort of the publicist dress code. And that's what they're doing. They're just walking their talent down the carpet and making sure they're getting, you know, quick interviews with TV crews and whoever else is there. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time it was March of 2010, I was repping or working on, um, five different independent films that got into South by Southwest, the film festival. And I touched down in Austin. It was my birthday. It was March 13th and like literally fell in love with the city from the second I, I got there and I was kind of ready to leave LA. And I remember telling a couple of friends, I am moving to Austin. I'm making this happen. You just decided like the minute you landed in Austin. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Wow! It was just the weather was beautiful. The city was cool. I love that it had this feel of home, which is Nebraska, but still a little bit of LA, which is kind of that entertainment and allure. And there seemed to be a lot of cool things going on here. The indie food scene was happening, live music everywhere, a lot of technologies here. Everything that I've sort of had interest in seemed to be happening. And I loved the people. Everyone was so friendly. And it just sort of spoke to me, which is I have never said that about another city before. That makes me very excited because as the listeners know, as I introduced this episode, I'm moving to Austin too. So I can't wait to enjoy all of the things you're sharing. Oh, you love it. Yeah. So you just landed, you decided, how did your job shift from there? I didn't have a, yeah, I didn't have a job. And I, so I flew back to Austin and sort of just put it out to the universe that I was going to make this happen at some point. And I had worked, this is where serendipity and the notion of never burning a bridge and being nice to everybody truly pays off. This gal who I had worked on a film with, I had repped the, I had, was doing PR for the film and she was repping an actor on the film. We worked this random screening in Calabasas where I was there with the film and she was there with the actor and sat outside and this is all in LA, sat outside and talked for maybe 15 minutes and just became friendly and, you know, went our separate ways. Well, she works for South by Southwest Film and I had remembered that. So I reached out to her on Facebook. We weren't friends. And I said, I'm so sorry to do this. This is so random. And I don't even know if you remember me, but I'm planning on moving to Austin. I know you work for South by Southwest. I love the festival. I have film experience. You know, is, do you have any advice for me? And she said, well, we're not hiring, but the interactive publicist is switching roles and handling web content now, um, I'm happy to put you in touch and had an interview with that gal and then had an interview with the director of South by Southwest Interactive over Skype, which I had never used before. I was so nervous, but I figured if this is a huge tech festival, they've got to be somewhat familiar. <laughs> and uh, one thing led to another. And in my mind, I thought, well, I'll probably just move out in February. And this was you know, end of August, beginning of September. And if you understand the event that February is go time, it's, you know, a month before South by kicks off in March. So he said, well, you know, can you uh, move out in a couple weeks? And I just said yes, and made it happen and put my notice in at my apartment. And I've never looked back and it by far is the best decision I've ever made in my life. So Never burn a bridge and always be nice to everyone. Everything comes back full circle. And I've worked with people who I worked with in LA. And you, you just never know when your paths are going to cross with someone else. Again, anyway, so. So how long have you been in Austin? It will be four years in October. Awesome. And you have no plans of leaving? None. Oh, 
good. I love it. It's so great. It's so great out here. Okay. So since you've been there, um, you've just recently gone through a significant change in your life by losing a lot of weight. What sparked this change? It was March 31st of 2013. And I remember just sitting at the dinner table with my sister and there was this huge spread of food in front of us. And I I literally just felt sick and nauseous. And I've never felt so unhealthy before. It was greasy food. It was a day of indulgence. I had just gotten off of two weeks of working the festival and wasn't, you know, moving much and eating poorly and having drinks here and there. And I just literally felt sick. And I turned to her and I said, I can't handle this anymore. I'm starting tomorrow. Enough is enough, basically. Had you always carried extra weight or or what kind of was it like before this change on Easter? It's been completely up and down. I was a pretty active kid. Um, I had been in dance for 15 years and so always had some activity, played soccer and softball and volleyball when I was young. I was a college cheerleader for my, my first year that I was there. So I've always, I've always been active, but I haven't always had the best relationship with a healthy diet. It's been very, very up and down. When I lived in LA, I went through sort of a similar journey, but it was completely unhealthy in my approach. It was completely restrictive, 800 calories a day, barely eating. When I ate, I ate very clean, but I didn't eat a lot, lost a significant amount of weight. But the second I reintroduced, you know, just a, even just a hamburger back into my life, I kind of forgot what real food tasted like and reverted back to old ways. So I've never, it's, it's always been, it's always been difficult for me to consistently keep it off. And it's, I think all because of my approach and the way I just wanted something quick and fast and felt that I needed to be restrictive and never allow myself, you know, small indulgences. And I just really never, I didn't grow up knowing how to properly nourish and fuel my body. I can totally relate because I also have struggled for readers may know um, with my own weight through nine years of my life was the thing I thought about the most myself. I was on both sides of the spectrum, restrictive and overindulging myself, binge eating a lot. So you'd lost a significant amount and what changed in Easter? But what changed about the approach, I should say? When I went to bed that night, I was super determined and really dead set on making this work. But I sort of had to take some inventory and figure out why it's never worked in the past. And I just didn't want to repeat old habits and old ways. So I, I, I truly laid in bed all night and got out a journal and wrote some key points down. And I made kind of a promise to myself of a couple different things that I would approach this from a kind place. I wanted to live kindly. Living kindly for me meant that I wouldn't look back on the past. I wouldn't self-shame because neither of those things would get me far. I would only do things and partake in things that made me happy. And I, I basically, I would just, I would never look back. I would never look back on anything. I There would be no quick fixes, no fad diets, and I had to enjoy what I was doing the entire time. I love that. It was almost like your tenants for this journey you were going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I And I, I also learned to celebrate even the smallest of steps. So if the first day starting out, if it meant just that I was drinking more water or only being able to run for five minutes, then I would celebrate that because it was more than I had done in the previous day. So all, all goals, no matter how small or big were celebrated. 
That's incredible. And what I love about the tenants is none of it actually had to do with I'm going to eat carbs or I'm not going to eat that or anything food related. It was all values that were transcendent. Absolutely. And that has been carried throughout this entire journey. And I'm still on it. I, it's still, I wouldn't say that it's always going to be a struggle for me, but I have to remember that there's never an end to this. I may have new goals or may try to work towards running faster or biking longer or being able to get on my road bike and climb a super tough hill that I wouldn't be able to before, but it's never going to end. There's only going to be new goals. So when you actually started this, it doesn't seem like, you can tell me for sure, was there any specific outcome you were even chasing other than being kind and not looking back? I knew I needed to lose weight. So that was, that was definitely a goal. I, I didn't have a set number in my mind per se. I celebrated more like the first 20 and then the next 10 and the next 10. So like those increments were, were something that I just looked forward to. Um, but I didn't become so obsessive over an exact number. I just knew I needed to lose weight. Things were getting sort of just embarrassing for me. I mean, anybody who is overweight can probably relate in any capacity, but it was to the point where I couldn't fit in an airline seat I had to, the seatbelt wouldn't buckle and my hips would like move the armrest up and I'd be winded going up just one flight of stairs at work. So I would take the elevator. So I really was starting from scratch. I had no baseline of health and weight was a factor. So losing weight was definitely, definitely, you know, number one, but being healthy was, I guess, the overall. Yeah. It wasn't like to fit into a certain size of jeans or something. It was about being healthy at a weight that was conducive to health. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So where are you now? I am right at, as of today, down 137 pounds since April 1st. Of 2013, right? So not since April this year. No. Oh gosh. No. (laughs) That would be crazy. I mean, not crazy. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's happened, but yes, I've lost 137 pounds since April. Okay. So you started with being kind and laying out your ground rules for how you weren't going to beat yourself up. And then you started celebrating every little change you made. Are there any other incremental steps that you've taken that other people might be interested to hear about? Yeah, I definitely changed my eating habits. Um, I, I've just been more intuitive. If I'm hungry, then I eat. If I'm not hungry, I, I won't eat anything. I, it's so interesting once you start really paying attention to your body and what it needs, how you can really adjust and adapt. I used to just eat what was ever in front of me and not, you know, I eat the whole sandwich, but now if I am full at half, then I don't eat the other half. So I, I guess just being kind just understanding your body, knowing your body and, and what it needs has been pretty big. Um, I've never really been able to process dairy that well. So I, I pretty much don't eat a lot of dairy, but I have, I haven't done anything too crazy or specific to a diet. I'm, you know, I don't do paleo or macrobiotic or, um, anything specific. I love this. It's so intuitive. That was actually my own intention when I myself was heavier and was trying to desperately lose the weight that I'd asked my doctor at that point. I didn't even know what I should weigh because I had swung so far on the scale both directions. And I was like, what should I weigh at the doctor? So I was like, what kind of a target should I even have? I don't even know what's healthy anymore. And when I heard it, it was, it was 50, it wasn't nearly the same dramatic shift, um, scale wise. But mentally, it probably was very similar. Um, I had 15 pounds. It was a little bit unnecessary, I should say, from the target weight my doctor told me. And when I tried for years and years to do everything possible to get rid of it, Weight Watchers, like even things that work and can be healthy for people, I wasn't necessarily needing something like that. I knew all the nutrition facts from when I was underweight in high school. And eventually, I had to get to the point where I 
decided that I was going to listen to my intuition and eat what it told me to eat until I was satisfied, which is ironically the same thing you're telling us that you did as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I've learned throughout this, if I'm super restrictive, I, well, I started doing that when I started doing this, I completely cut out drinking for six months. And I did, that wasn't my intention to begin with. My intention was, well, I'll just cut out drinking for a month and see what it's like. And I didn't have, I wasn't an over drinker and didn't have a problem drinking, but I knew even if I had one or two drinks, the next morning I would wake up and feel lethargic. And the last thing I would want to go do is run or have a bowl of fruit. It would be, you know, I want all the breakfast tacos and I was pretty lazy. So I cut that out just to sort of give me a clear mind and a clear starting point. And then I started to feel really good. So one month became two, then it became three. And then I think my OCD side had to make it a more even number. So I did right at six months. And it just so happened that on the six month mark, I went to Europe and was in Switzerland and thought, well, I definitely am going to have some Swiss wine and see if it's any different. And I think the most I would ever have during my Europe travels were one or, or I'm sorry, two to three drinks in a day. So that restricting that ended up being fine for me. But if I become too restrictive and always say no and don't enjoy things, then I'm more apt to overindulging once I have it. So truly being intuitive and listening to myself or listening to my body. And if I'm craving a piece of dark chocolate, then I'll have it. And if it's offered to me and I'm not, then I don't. And that is when I have the most success and feel good. And there's no guilt. And, you know, the, the scale will still move or my muscles will, you know, still show I'll be stronger. Um, but it's when, it's when I'm restrictive and overindulge. That's when I, I tend to feel the worst. Even when I try to tell myself, don't feel guilty, don't feel bad for any of those decisions, you can't help but not because physically your body is reacting to something that you didn't want and it just happens. So did your ego try to scare you at all? Because my ego and I decided to make this shift from to intuitive eating instead of eating what my mind told me I could or should eat. I was worried. And even my mom said something, not that my mom was ever critical of my weight. But when I told her I was just going to eat from my intuition, she's like, well, are you going to lose any weight? Or are you just going <laughs> to eat ice cream all day? <laughs> so did you have any of those kind of doubts? Because I too was like, I don't know if I will lose weight at this, but I know I need to eat from my intuition for peace. And I care more about peace than I care about moving the scale was kind of my like last surrendering, um, to that doubt. But did you have any personal ego drama? Absolutely. And I, because I'm still in weight loss mode, I haven't reached that point of where I'm at my goal and I'm just maintaining it always gets in the way. And I travel quite a bit with my job. I just this past month, I think I've been home a for one week or less than a week. And so I'm on the road and going out of the country and to my favorite cities and trying new places. And, um, yeah, my, my ego is always in the way, you know, I'll be scared to, I I don't want to overindulge and I don't want to deprive. So it's a constant, I wouldn't say battle or struggle, but it's something that's, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about and very aware of. Um, I, I have a, I pretty much have a rule that I don't weigh myself right when I get back from vacation, but then there's this, there's a side of me that's like, just face the facts, get on it, see what kind of work you need to put in this week. But then I go back to, is that living kindly to kind of shame yourself after being on a plane and being puffy and, you know, give it a couple days to sort of let your body even out. But yeah, it definitely is. It's something I think about all the time. And the the ultimate goal is to hopefully reach a place where I don't always have to think about that. But because I keep setting new goals for myself and I keep wanting to hit certain milestones, I know that it's going to take some level of not even deprivation, but some level of kind of tweaking 
where I'm at to, to reach these goals. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a balance, I guess, and finding that balance. Yeah, definitely. And I can say for myself, I kind of naturally after surrendering, I didn't know what the outcome would be from eating intuitively. I will say that I naturally did end up floating to where that doctor's mark had been without trying, even though for so many years I had struggled to get down to that weight, like I said, with Weight Watchers and calorie counting and all this other methods that were ineffective because it wasn't really dealing with the root of why I was eating, which was kind of for me, what was the problem. But I will still say I've been at the intuitive level for three, no, almost five years now, I think, which is crazy to say that now. But I still sometimes have the ego pop up and go, well, I could help you with those last few pounds or whatever if the scale ends up going up or down a little bit. It's an interesting thing. The ego will try to like weasel its way back in there when it can. And I always have to like remind myself, I spent nine years miserable on both ends of the scale, worried I was gonna gain or I wasn't gonna be able to stay where I was staying vigilant against any of those little murmuring doubts that can creep in from time to time. Yeah. I don't ever want it to reach. I don't ever want to reach that point where I have to think of another quick fix or I have to, to tell myself, okay, well, we're just juicing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or we're just, um, or we're going to run extra, you know, on Thursdays or, where it's so set and everything is so regimented um, that that's all I think about. I do like having a schedule and I like knowing what, what days my run days are and what days I'll go to spin class. And, but that's more just to weave it in through my work schedule. And so I have some type of framework of what my week looks like, but I never want it to be so obsessive that it's not fun. And I don't think a three pound difference on the scale versus, you know, enjoying a weekend with friends or a birthday celebration is ever worth the stress. I think there's definitely a time and a place to celebrate and have fun um, and a time and a place to, you know, work out really hard and train for that half marathon or Ironman. But I, I think if it's, if it's starting to not be fun and, you feel like you're at the hands of, you know, a diet, then I think that's when you have to readjust and figure out if the path that you're on is really a kind path. And if you're really being good to yourself. I love that, Kelly. Okay. So let's look at from the movement aspect. So you've been sharing, you've been dropping things like half marathon, Ironman, and you said you started at five minutes of running. If that, I, (laughs) I think I went to town Lake when I just got started within my first week and tried running for, I think it was a minute. No, not even a minute, 30 seconds. I, I downloaded a couch to 5k app and it would ping you when to run and then stop and then run faster and stop. And I was out of breath after 30 seconds. So got back in my car and drove up to Mount Benel where you can take like a hundred stairs to reach the top and it overlooks Austin. It's beautiful. And just started walking up and down those till I was winded and knew that it was a workout, good workout for my legs. And I think I made it up and down twice and then went back in my car and rather than getting super bummed out about it, just celebrated the fact that I was able to even go up one flight of stairs. So yes, I started with, light running, we'll call it light running and, um, walking stairs and slowly got back into taking spin classes at a local spin studio here called ride. Cycling is something that I love to do when I lived in LA and knew that it was one of those things where you could go at your own pace and sit down in the saddle if you needed to, or if it was too intense and started going once a week and then once became twice and then it became three times a week. And before I knew it, I was going almost five times a week whenever I could and, uh, started seeing really good results just in terms of, uh, being stronger on the bike and being able to go faster and my cardio improved. Um, and then of course started losing weight. So that was, it was all a plus lots of positive things happening on the bike. 
And there was never any major milestones. It was just incrementally growing from that 30 seconds of running. Yeah, absolutely. Once I built sort of a cardio base with uh, cycling, I got a lot more confident. So I would go back out to the trail and start running more out there. And I, even now, even after losing 137 pounds, I run at what I like to call a glacial pace. Running intimidates me. It's, it's the easiest thing to do. All you need is a pair of shoes and a, you know, a decent outfit to go a comfortable outfit to go running in. It's the most portable exercise you can do. And with as much as I travel, it's so easy for me to just pack my running shoes and go for a run in Seattle or around London, wherever, but I'm, I'm slow. And so I would get really intimidated running with other people. And, um, one of my friends and spin instructors at ride, uh, Maria asked me to be a part of this relay group with her last September. So her and another friend and now all uh, now three more who are all friends of mine, um, did this, uh, marathon relay. There were six of us. So we each ran like 4.6 miles and it was my first real taste at, I guess, running and training for running. And I had run a half marathon when I lived in LA, but, and was going through that other phase of my life, but didn't train properly. And of course was in pain the entire time. So this was my real kind of first taste at, at running in Austin and running with a group of people who supported and helped me. And they joined, I ran the last leg of the relay and they joined at the very end. And it was one of those super emotional, cool moments to have uh, a pack to cross the finish line with you. Oh, that's awesome. So what's been the most difficult part so far? Oh, that's a good question. What's been really, okay. That is a, that's, it's so hard to be so transparent sometimes, but the hardest part is enjoying it too much, which I may sound so off the wall, but what I mean by that is right before I did my first triathlon this past May, I was working out two or three times a day and eating so super clean. And by, by clean for me, I just mean foods that aren't processed and kind of forgetting to enjoy everything else around me. But I loved it. And all of the, all of it was a ton of fun. Um, I just, I kind of learned in that moment that too much of a good thing can be a bad thing too. So I had to kind of pull back a little bit and still maintain my workouts. And of course, eating healthy, which is just second nature now, but almost, I had always been so scared of not doing enough that when I started doing too much, it kind of jolted me a little bit. I, I was, you know, forgetting to call home here and there and getting so wrapped up into the fitness community and what race I needed to do next and signing up for everything while just kind of forgetting to savor the moment. And my good friend Maria always does a good job of kind of bringing me back down and reminding me that the present is, is the moment that you should worry about the most and kind of enjoying that as much as I can. So that has shockingly has become the hardest part. I thought that the beginning was going to be the hardest starting something new, coming from a point of being overweight and constantly embarrassed to go out and even be around my own friends and, you know, kind of cringe just even going into the grocery store of public places. I thought attempting to go to a spin studio or a gym where I was overweight would be the hardest part, but having too much fun with it. And I wouldn't even say too much fun, but getting too wrapped up into it has been the hardest part. Um, and it's also not sustainable either when you are constantly living and breathing that life. I love that I have passions. I love that I love going to a, a spin class and I love that I really enjoy getting on my road bike, but 
but the whole racing mentality and always having to do or always having another race ahead can be a little exhausting, even though it's healthy um, for your body, but might not be as healthy for your mind. But that's, that's just me too. Thank you for sharing that. Do you ever think that the ego kind of crept in there or is it just completely from the intuition, but it's getting out of balance? I don't know. I do know when you cross the finish line, there, there are these endorphins that just kind of take over your entire body. You see family and friends at the finish line. You see the people that you've been training with and you've been working so hard with. And it's so, it's so happy in that moment. And then you go to bed that night and you get kind of sad because it's over. So you're like, searching online, well, what's the next one we can do? And it almost becomes addictive in a way. Yeah, actually. So I help people with things like this. And what it sounds like is the achievement stuff is what's the, you know, you get the high, but then it's like, what are you going to do next? Right. You got to get the next one. Right. Versus living from the values, like you mentioned, with being kind to yourself and not living with shame and being in the present moment. And it is, it's, it's a challenge, right? To, to enjoy the achievements, but not be running and motiv- or not be motivated by those, but by the values right. and let the achievements flow from the value rather than the next achievement. Absolutely. I mean, it's so true. And I will still sign up for races and I still very much will do them and, and and enjoy them, but I had to pull back a little bit and realize it's okay. You don't need to do one every weekend and enjoy the summer travel and enjoy, you know, the time with friends and family when they're in town versus thinking I need to do a triathlon every single weekend, even though it's fun and even though it's great conditioning and for the level that I'm doing them at anyway, I'm not doing Ironman or half Ironman every weekend. They're fairly manageable, um, courses and distances. So it's, it's a fine balance and it, it's kind of goes back to what I say that I will always be on this journey and I will always be evolving and always trying to figure out what works well for me, whether it be a green juice, which I've, come to fall in love with or just 10 K races versus half Ironman races. Who knows? I, I like that. I get to be in charge of figuring it out. That's incredible. Thank you. That's so inspiring. So you've made this shift. It almost feels like an overnight shift. Obviously the the progress has progressed slowly, but the shift in your mindset came from that fateful night where you set out your, your intentions, if you will. So how is your, how have your friends and family reacted to this change? They have been so amazing. I cannot believe I knew my friends and family were all a supportive bunch already, especially my immediate family. We sort of dubbed ourselves as team Krause since we both, we've all lived in different States pretty much ever since uh, my sister and I left for college. So anytime we get together, and support one another or just having a blast. We just always throw out Team Krause. So when anyone is doing anything in the family that's a job promotion or they've finished a race or got a bid on a great job, you know, texts run wild and or will FaceTime. And it, that's been really cool. But my friends have been awesome. They've been really supportive. They're at my finish lines, they're at speaking engagements, Facebook love here and there, same with Twitter, Instagram. Um, It like sort of just brings me to tears when I think about it. But everyone has been amazing. There really hasn't been a single friend who has pulled back from this sort of lifestyle change. If anything, they have come to me with questions or have asked if they could join on a run that's been probably the coolest part and something that I kind of worried about. Of course, there are friends that I don't get to see as much just because I, I spend my time doing other things now and filling my, my time with runs and um, getting out on my road bike and, you know, just a different lifestyle than what I had before. But everyone's been great. I, I feel very lucky. I'm so happy to hear that. So 
What would you recommend for others who may be considering a big lifestyle change like this? I would just say to start out small and only do things that you like. When I lived in LA and kind of went back, or when I lived in LA and tried a similar journey, I ate things that I didn't like. I did workouts that I did not look forward to and despised the whole time. And I just think life's too short to do things that you don't enjoy. So if it's not fun for you, then move on. No one's telling you that you have to do anything. And I think if you just take the pressure off of yourself and just know that you're in charge of your life and you can pretty much do anything that you want to, I think you'll be good. We stop ourselves so many times from doing things. We listen to the voices in our heads telling us that we can't do these things. But if we just believed in ourselves, I think we would be so surprised. There were so many times that I would be in a spin class and I would the fast song would come on. And if anyone takes spin class in Austin at ride, they know what the fast song is. And I would always dread it and build it up and build it up and kind of like never let go and let myself go there. And one day our spin instructor said, just stop listening to yourself and just move, just go. And I did. And half the class did. And it just goes to show you that no matter what anybody else says, you have to believe in yourself and you have to know that you can do it. And I'd also say you really don't need fancy equipment, fancy memberships, all the money that sort of put into this huge industry to get you to buy things and the pills and the certain clothes and the at-home systems. You really you really don't need that. I've I've taken several trips traveling or I've taken several trips where I've just had my running shoes and I've gone out for a run and I get back to my hotel room and I'm able to do squats and lunges and planks. And that required zero equipment aside from running shoes. And I've been able to do it on the road. So I just start small and then you'll find out what you like and what you don't like and and maybe set some small goals for yourself if you're goal oriented and helps keep you on track, but don't let it be so overwhelming that it stops you. And don't let it be so consuming where you, where you say to yourself, well, I'll start tomorrow or I'll start Monday. Or if it's not a great day to start, I've got family coming into town. I can say with confidence and put money on it that there is never going to be the perfect date to start. Today is truly the perfect day to start. The only reason why I said I would start tomorrow on Easter is because I was full from eating and it was like nine o'clock at night and I really, I go to bed around like 10. So I had no other option but to start the next day, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't wait to be your healthiest self, especially when you don't know if you'll even have tomorrow. Unfortunately, none of us know that. So start small. (laughs) That's really powerful. Thank you. So what have you learned about yourself in the process? I have learned that I am a person that likes to do it all. And and that's why I continuously have to look at my phone where I really do have written down live kindly in my notes. Um, I like to do it all. And I have the tendency to put a lot of pressure on myself if I don't do it all. But I've also learned that I have stopped, it's, a, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. I've stopped saying no to so many things for the simple fact of I want to try and try and try new things all the time. And I've always been the person to say no because I was afraid I was, you know, too heavy to run a half marathon or, well, for instance, tomorrow I'm joining a running group for the first time and I'm petrified of this. Because I, A, am not a good runner in my eyes. Um, Not a good runner, meaning I run at a super glacial pace. I'm so slow. But I'm, I'm fine with it. B, I don't like running with other people because I'm so slow. So I feel like I slow them down and I just breathe heavily. And so I always listen to I or my uh, always listen to my headphones. So it kind of washes that out. 
So I'm trying something new, which is a good thing. It can be overwhelming at times. And that's when I have to go back to, okay, live kindly and don't feel like you have to do it all right now. But it's just, I have so much fun with this and I have so much fun trying new things that it's really hard for me to say no. Has there been any negative backlash at all? There has been one and it rocked my world and it totally shouldn't have because I have no idea who this person was. But um, a while ago when I reached my year mark on April 1st, I had quite a few friends on Facebook share my post and um, it was a super happy day. I was celebrate, celebrating my belated birthday that day as well and just completely overcome by joy. And a friend had shared it and on her wall and I made a comment like, thanks so much for sharing. That's so nice of you. And someone um, responded back with saying, I can't remember specifically, but something to the effect of, she looks, she looks fine, but she's going to have this problem her whole life. She, she's going to gain it all back in two months or it's just something rude and negative. And I kind of took it personally. I was like, I don't even know you and you have no idea the work that I've put in and you're mean. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds very mean. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't know why I let that one person bother me, but I brushed it off, you know, later that day, but just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Even if you don't know someone, just rude things can still affect you. Have you ever had any doubts or resistance you've had to face in your career or life that we haven't specifically already shared yet? (sighs) That is a good question. If you would have asked me this a year ago, I would have had probably a laundry list of things for you. Yeah, I would have had a laundry list of things for you if you would ask me a year ago. But now that I've accomplished sort of the unthinkable in my mind at times when I really didn't think that it was possible to get my health back on track and do it from a place where I didn't focus so much on calories and how many miles I was running in one day or how quickly I could lose this weight. And instead of it being, you know, I've got to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds by the time I see, you know, my family next, or by the time I get on the plane, putting my mind to something from a good place and from a kind place, there's not many things that I doubt. I still go into new workouts and, you know, new situations or even the smallest of things of getting on my road bike and looking at a huge hill to climb and thinking there is no way that this is going to happen at all. Um, those pop up here and there, but not to the extent that they did a year ago. I I pretty much have no fear. That's incredible. (laughs) That's so good. <laughs> I was trying to relate it in, into like the smallest, smallest of ways too. And I, I mean, it's funny because I'm very much an introverted extrovert. I am super outgoing, but in new situations, especially ones where I don't know anyone and I've never, if it's a workout and I've never done it before, I'm so timid and I just get kind of shy and I've always been that way since I've been young, but if I know, if I at least know someone or know about something, I can go into it with so much confidence and have no fear, but you know, I still have that inside of me, but I carry so much more confidence into these situations that I kind of just go into it really lighthearted and kind of joke around with it and have fun with it and take the pressure off myself. It's just a workout and it, it's just life. And I think we could all afford to take some pressure off ourselves. Well said. Okay. So last but not least, what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I would tell someone to start small and go into it thinking and 
knowing that you can do whatever you want to do. Take the pressure off of yourself. Don't shame yourself. There's, there's no point. I'm trying to think of what I sort of like woke up with that morning in my head. Your desire to be healthy and your desire to want these great things has to be so much greater than anything else that gets in the way. So if you need to take a few minutes to meditate before you, you know, start the day off or take a few moments to write three things down or one thing down that you want to accomplish that day, then do that. But just go into it knowing that you can and you will and you're the only one that's holding yourself back from doing anything. So whenever, and it sounds kind of harsh to say, and I don't mean this to sound harsh or, you know, non-sympathetic at all, but when someone's asking me about the journey and kind of wanting advice and saying, yeah, I just, I don't have time or I, I can't, I can't do it. And they'll come up with any excuse in the book. I kind of, come back with, then you must not want it bad enough. Because I think of those times when, and this is silly to compare it to like shopping even, but when there's a dress that I really want and a certain store will be out of it, but I'll say, okay, can you call another store? Can, can we search online? And you'll go through all these leaps and bounds to, to find this one dress and you'll spend an hour to, at least I have before. And I hope other people have too. Otherwise that makes me But, you know, you'll spend all this time and energy to find this one piece of clothing. And why did I do that? Well, it's because I wanted it that bad. So that's sort of how I approached finding health and getting my health back and getting my life to where I wanted it. I wanted it that bad. And so nothing could have come in between me and that desire. So hopefully if someone's listening and they think they want it, but they're making every other excuse to do it, then I hope they really kind of think about how bad they want it. And for me, I wanted to be healthy. I knew I needed to lose weight. It was obvious from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, from a truly bad health standpoint. I mean, my my doctors would have talks with me. It just, in all in all areas I needed to get healthy, but I finally wanted it when I felt how, how just bad and gross I felt inside. So that's really powerful. I have a feeling that's going to be hitting home, hopefully for people that need to hear it. Yeah. I hope it doesn't sound mean and rude. I, I don't mean to come across that way, but I think when anybody really wants something, like nothing will get in the way for them. They'll figure out how to get it. I think that's really powerful. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And there you have it. Thank you, Kelly, so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. And thank you for listening. I know that episode probably touched many people who were listening to this episode. So if you want to go over and let Kelly know how much you enjoy the episode, hop on over to Twitter and send her a message at Kel Joe Krause. So K-E-L-L-J-O. K-R-A-U-S-E. Again, that's Kel Joe Krause. Thank you guys so much, and I will see you next week. 